Welcome back to the Posting Up Podcast here with your host, Alec Jesse. I am back for a Friday afternoon edition of the podcast. Um, yeah, the, we're, it's kind of where the, uh, um, the time worked out for me, and I think it, it works out good. We get to recap this week, the, uh, the weekday of, weekdays of college basketball this week. There was a lot of good action. Um, and we get to, I think, when's the last time I recorded last week? We get to talk, I guess we could talk a little bit about um, the games from last weekend as well, tie that in to this weekend and preview uh, preview this weekend of games and next week's slate. Um, now all of a sudden, the, you know, the cupcakes are starting to dwindle down a little bit for the, for the, for the big teams. You know, Kentucky's got some bigger games on uh, its schedule. I know Duke has a game against Texas A&M, or Texas Tech, excuse me, who has been a major surprise. Get a little bit into that uh, later on. That is, well, that's that's a little farther on down the ways, but uh, regardless, Texas Tech, major surprise thus far. Um, Gonzaga um, has some major tests coming up as well. So, uh, definitely, and also the Big Ten. Uh, you know they they're not doing their conference tournament a week early this year like they did last year. I think they're it's back in the normal uh, slot, but um, they they're still doing the thing where they play a couple games in December. Uh, they start conference play in December, so we'll look all look uh, who has been good as far as that goes. Um, so to start it off, I guess we'll we'll start from last Saturday. That's when it really. The week kind of really picked up, um, and that's where most of most of everyone played. Um, and we will start with the Michigan Wolverines, who have been absolutely uh, incredible to start this young season. Let me find their game. I cannot seem to track it down. Uh, their box score, but regardless, they they've been absolutely terrific, and that's a team I don't think really anyone expected to. Be, be a top five team early on, you know. I think I had them maybe if they were inside the. Ra- I think I maybe had them inside my initial rankings, twenty five, twenty four, very, very, very back end. You know, they lose uh, Mo Wagner. Um, they lost a couple other guys, uh, Abdul uh, Rahman, uh, Muhammad Ali, Abdul Rahman. Um, they lose him as well. So they lost a couple of guys. I mean, Mo Wagner. I mean, was arguably the. You know. One of the big, you know, one of the big contributors uh, in that Final Four run, and uh, if Michigan had somehow been able to upset Villanova, he would have been the Final Four kind of MVP, the most valuable, most valuable player of the Final Four. Uh, he, so he was terrific. You know, lose him, and he goes, I think, twenty fifth in the draft to the Lakers. Um, so, you know, that's that's a fairly big loss. Uh, you know, Abdur Rockland isn't a was never like an elite player for Michigan, but he was a he was a tough shot maker, really smart, cerebral player, and he made I mean he made big plays for him, uh, and the, you know you, you lose a shooter, so you figured they would take a little bit of a step back, um, but that just was not the case. Um, they destroy so you know they first started taking or you know getting it national attention uh, with with the win at Villanova. Now Villanova's that's a team that has taken a step back. Um, I, very, you could very well, you could tell that that was going to happen. You know, they've lost the, you know, the game of Michigan, and they lost against Furman. They're back. Villanova is back in the rankings, but however, when you lose four guys to the NBA draft, four key players, 
you're going to take a bit of a step back. Um, you know, defensively, they're not there yet, but uh, still should be able to contend for the Big East. Um, but Michigan went in, went in to Philadelphia and just smacked them, smacked them in the mouth, uh, winning that game 73-47. That was about two, three weeks ago, and they've just kept rolling ever since. And they hosted UNC. That was another game I was uh, I was eager to watch. That was uh, last Wednesday. Not, uh, it was a couple Wednesdays ago. I guess that's the best way to put it. And they, it was a five-point five game at halftime. And Michigan totally blew them out in the second half. Uh, UNC was out of sorts. You got guys making threes. But Michigan is really living by the three ball. And defense. I mean, they right now, according to Kim Palm, Michigan is the top defensive team in the country um, in adjusted defense defense efficiency, um, coming in at uh, at eighty six point six. And for perspective here on this ranking, um, last year's Villanova team, or excuse me, not Villanova, Virginia team that was absolutely terrific was eighty five point six. It's only a point off. And the Kentucky team, you know, back in twenty fifteen. 14-15, that was so dominant. 84.4, that's only two points off. So, you, you, you know, ranking up there with some of the best defensive teams of the last five years is, is Michigan right now. Um, we'll have to see how that goes, how it continues. You know, M- Michigan, you can make the argument they're playing their best basketball right now, which is very well could be the case. Um, but they've still been terrific. You can't take it away from them. And, and they have experience. And it's not like it's it's a it's it's a total. It's not like where it's Tennessee, where it's it's guys that yeah they're they're good right now. But how much better they're gonna get throughout the season? They have some young talent. Um, and so after UNC, they host Purdue. That was their first Big Ten game, and they absolutely uh, de- destroyed them too, winning seventy six, fifty seven. Purdue, you know Purdue. I think they were a little bit overhyped coming in the year. I think a lot of people had them in the rankings in their top 25. I did not. I think I had them probably in the 30s. Maybe a little better than that. Carson Edwards is an All-American. He's terrific. Um, elite scorer. Probably the, be- the best guard of the Big Ten. But outside of him, I'm talking about a lot of guys that have bigger that have much bigger roles they had a year ago. I mean, think about it. This team lost, I think, five seniors. Um, talking about Dakota Mathias, uh, Haas, Vincent Edwards, a team that, uh, PJ Thompson, a team that lost a lot. Um, and I think people kind of overlooked it. Well, we got Carson Edwards back. You know, Matt Harms was really good in limited minutes, in which he was last year. Uh, you know, elite rim protector. Um, you know, Ryan Klein back for another year, good shooter. And I think, you know, people kind of just penciled in, well, Purdue will be a top 25 team. I don't think they're quite as good as everyone thought they were. Um, they, did, they did give Florida State a run for their money. You know, guards – Win, win you games, and and they have a great one. So they they have a great college guard. So that's gonna that's gonna help them uh, definitely down the road. But yeah, they really struggled. Purdue did thirty five percent from the floor, thirty seven percent from three. You know they're they're a team that's gonna shoot a lot of threes, and they're they're a team that's gonna play through their guards. Um, they they need more out of no gel no gel Eastern, who should be a really good perimeter, one of the better perimeter defenders in the big. 10, but he's only a sophomore, so it's going to take some time for him to develop. Uh, meanwhile, Michigan, oh, my goodness. I mean, j- like, John Teske two years ago was, was laughable whenever he was on the court. And this dude last year at the in the conference tournament is dunking on people. This year he's hitting threes, and he had 17 points in this game. 
And he, he's become somewhat of a force. And now, obviously, he's not the main option. But, you know, when you're playing off guys, you, you can afford to do that. Jordan Poole has become a premier three-point shooter. One of the best in the game. It's 5-for-5 five five in this game. Has to be shooting around 50% for the season. He's been absolutely terrific. Good rebounding guard. Good size. Really good score. Uh, Jordan Poole, obviously, he, he uh, kind of emerged in the NCAA tournament last year, that big shot against Houston that sent him to the Sweet 16, and he's carried it over. Xavier Simpson, he's not hes not the best player on this team. He may not even be a top three player on this team, but he's the glue guy, and he is the best perimeter defender, uh, the best defending guard in the Big Ten right now. I mean, he, he, is, he puts clamps on opposing point guards. And, you know, Charles Matthews has been absolutely incredible so far. I mean, you just go down the line of these guys. And you know, you know they're not super deep, no. But they, you know, they get, they got guys that can make shots off the bench. Isaiah Livers, Eli Brooks, and John Beeline just knows how to coach. I mean, the dude just—he's just a good coach. There's no other way to say it. Uh, absolutely terrific. Um, absolutely terrific that he's gotten this team to this point thus far. They're way ahead, miles ahead of where they were last year at this point, and that team went to the went to the championship game. So you know, Michigan. It remains to be seen how they match up with, like, the elite of the league, like how they would play against a Gonzaga, a Duke, um, even a Tennessee. I think that would be a fantastic matchup, uh, Michigan-Tennessee. Uh, that's that's an Elite Eight caliber game right there. Um, but, it, you know, it's it's very it, – it's it's crazy how good they are. Uh, and I haven't even mentioned freshmen from Europe. Ignis Bradzig – these pronunciations, man. Brad. Brad, Brad, Bradikis. I'm gonna go Brad Dikis, Brad Zikis, Brad Zikis. I'm gonna go Brad Zikis. That that very well. Brad Zikis, something like that. Ignis Brad Zikis. Uh, I'm gonna go with that. That very well. I very well could have butchered that. Um, but regardless, he's he's been one of the best freshmen in college basketball early on. I mean, and that was a guy who who's I think he was the highest rated player in Michigan's 2019 class. But no one expected him to come in and, and have quite the impact he's had. I mean, he's he can stretch the floor. He's a long, uh, really really good, uh, really good small forward as far as offensively. The length on the perimeter helps defensively. He he's had a really nice impact early. He's been one of the best freshmen. Uh, you know, among a league of freshmen, or, you know, college basketball is fr- filled with with top end freshmen. Between you know, obviously Duke's guys, um, and you know, Kelvin Johnson and Bull Bull, uh, you know, Romeo Langford. You can go down the line of all the great freshmen. He's been one of the best ones uh, to date. Um, so absolutely uh, terrific stuff from Michigan early on, and. You know, I was eager to see. So you know, that everything had been going so well for them. How, how are they? But they hadn't played a true road game yet, right? And you know, they had their first one um, against Northwestern on Tuesday, and uh, and I was really I was interested to see how they would how they would fare. And you know, Northwestern not exactly a marquee opponent. You know. They're, they're probably not going to make the tournament this year, but it's—I mean—that's a—that's a true road game in the Big Ten, and and you know how co- conference play road games are the toughest games. Um, it, it's it, like that's where you know that that's where the, the Kings topple is in these conference road games because you're just used to seeing these because you know teams are just familiar with each other and there's just a there's just a more competitive edge to these games, uh, f- especially for the underdogs. So 
and Michigan was able to. Uh, there was a. They they went. I think eight minutes, six six to eight six or eight minutes scoreless in this game. They they were up by fifteen in the second half, and then Northwestern had the lead, and Michigan was able to close them out. Uh, they won sixty to sixty. So you see, they're they're able to win ugly, and they're able to win pretty. That's the mark of a, of a really good team. Um, but you you have to wonder, are they peaking at the wrong time? It's a fair question. But uh, yeah, that that's my uh, that's my initial thoughts on Michigan. I think that they're they've definitely exceeded everyone's expectations, and they're they're going to be a factor in March. They got a great coach. They got a guy that's done this before. But you have to wonder uh, if it's all coming too soon for the Wolverines. Um, so let's go. Uh, Duke kept rolling. I mean, they play they played a couple games this week. Um, I think they played Stetson on Saturday. They played Hartford, I think, on t- Tuesday or Wednesday. Destroyed them both. Um, they're I mean, 100. <laughs> I was covering the Western game on Saturday, and, and the Duke game, I was kind of checking scores, and Duke and Stetson had, like, tipped off. And in the first five minutes, I think Stetson was winning or something like that. First three minutes, like, they were winning by a point. I was like, oh, Stetson's winning. And then I checked ten minutes later, and they were down by 40. Um, there's just not much else. To, I don't see Duke losing at home this year. I, it's, it's hard for me to believe they will. They could. I mean, I, you know, conference play is, is, is another beast. I mean, they're going to struggle some in conference play. I, that's just – it's going to happen. I, the, the, the 38-1 Kentucky team, as great as that was, and they played in, the, in, in a weak SEC, not even a strong SEC, a very weak SEC, probably the worst it had been. Uh, you know, it, it was pretty bad. Um and Kentucky had to struggle or struggled and, and and had to really fight their way to win some of these games at Georgia, at Florida. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Um, at, at LSU, that was a and that, that's a nine. That was a nine seed, eight or nine seed in the tournament. Um, I mean, Ole Miss and A and M. I mean, back to back overtime games, and Ole Miss probably wins if if Moody doesn't cramp up. See, so you, you get the point. It, Duke is going to struggle in conference play in these road games. It's just tough, but it's man, it's hard to see them losing at home because when they're on, I mean, like it just doesn't it doesn't really matter what you do. I mean, they last week against Indiana. Indiana is no scrub. They're going to be in the tournament. You know, they're not, they're probably not better than a Sweet Sixteen. They're they're probably that. That's probably their ceiling. Um, but regardless, I mean, a solid team, you know, probably going to finish in the top five in the Big Ten, and they beat them into a pulp. It wasn't even close. It wasn't a close game from, from the beginning uh, to the end. Um, it, it's, it's just hard for me to see Duke losing at home. They're going to slip up again, but you don't know when it's going to be. Um, they're going to be favored in pretty much every game. Maybe, maybe at Carolina. I know they go to Virginia Tech. That'll be a tough game. Virginia Tech seems to have Duke's number um, – at Tech, uh, yeah, they play Virginia twice. I think they go to Louisville, and you know Louisville's not very, Louisville's not doesn't have a ton of talent, n- n- nowhere near the talent of Duke, but um, but they're scrappy, man. I mean that's rewatch the Michigan State game. They they scrapped their way to a win, and they kind of did the same against Seton Hall. That that's what they're going to do. Yeah, those road conference games are going to be very difficult for Duke. So. Um, Moving on, Kansas. Wait, what a week Kansas has had. Um, so they obviously, you know, they, they started the season pretty strong, right? You got a you know wire to wire win against Michigan State. Uh, 
you, you win the NIT, the, pre, uh, the, uh, early, the NIT tournament, uh, be, beating Marquette and Tennessee at or Tennessee, uh, fifth ranked Tennessee, win that game in overtime. But man, the last two games, it's been, have been pretty tough for Kansas. So they hosted Stanford, and Stanford's not very good. I mean, yeah, they, you know, they they got they, they got a couple guys that are that are that have a chance to make the NBA. Um, you know, really like um, the. Yeah, Dejon Davis. Uh, you know, he has he's got some really good game. Uh, Kizio pa, or Kizio He's going to be in the NBA. I think uh, I saw a recent draft board that was released by the Athletic this week had him in the top forty. I think uh, he'll probably be in the NBA. But but overall, my good team, right? They're they're kind of rebuilding. Um, you know, Reed Travis obviously transferred out of there. That was their best player last year. Um, would have been the best returning player in the Pac-12. So, a bit of a rebuild. They have talent, but still not much of much of a threat. And they took they took Kansas to the wire at uh, the Fieldhouse at at Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, if not for LeGerald Vick going bonkers, who you know has been terrific this year, the best three point shooter of any of any college basketball team or of any player. He, he is he has been terrific. Uh, he scored uh, at the end of regulation and going into overtime 11 straight points, I believe, for Kansas. Um, uh, Myron Metcalf, I think, had a tweet like, well, it looks like Kansas' only option is just to hope LeGerald Vick gets hot. We'll see how that works out. And it worked out pretty good for him on Saturday. As soon as he said that, then, then uh, Vick had a game-tying three to send the game in overtime. Dedrick Lawson, 24-15. I, I, you know, I, I was not very high on Dedrick Lawson at first, but he is he is the Kansas version of what – he does what Reed Travis does for Kentucky, in which he's not playing above the bucket. He's not very athletic, um, but he's skilled. He knows what – he's just good at the game. He's got the old man game. I've said that. I guess I said that last week, and I'll say it again. And he's just a really good player. Um, he, you know, th- th- there's obviously limitations to what he can do um, because he's not a, an, an elite athlete. He's not a, um, you know, he's not going to play above the rim. He's not a great rim protector. But I mean, he he knows he he knows where to be on the court at the right time. He's a very good rebounder, and he he can score. He's he's got that old man's game that that has longevity. And it's not going to translate to the, definitely not to today's NBA. But uh, regardless, he he uh, is a big help to what Kansas can do. But if that's your best player come tournament time, much like if Reed Travis is Kentucky's best player come tournament time, we'll get more to them up next. You're going to struggle. You, it's going to be very tough for you to uh, to do what you want to do, get to the Final Four, win it all. Um, but really to. Uh, Taken to the wire uh, at the Fieldhouse. Quentin Grimes has been really an enigma early on. Uh, started off against Michigan State, you know, had 21 points, and I think kind of put everyone on notice. I talked about this. Like, he was he was terrific. It's like, oh, wow, you know, th- this guy's going to be, like, really good. And then really since that game hasn't been very good. Um, ha- has had his minutes scaled way back. Only played in a, in a 45-minute game. Only played 16 minutes. One for six from the floor. Two points. Um, like, if you're Kansas, if you're Bill Self, yeah, LeGerald Vick's playing awesome. Yeah, Dedrick Lawson's really picked it up. 
Um, Devin Dotson, I think, has been a nice little surprise. I remember in Tennessee, he, he made some really nice plays. But regardless, if you're Bill Self, you got to have more out of him. You just have to. That, that's got to be your guy. That's got to be your best player. Um, that's my opinion. I mean, may, you know, they're, they're undefeated right now, and he hasn't played particularly well uh, of, thus far during the season. But, man, it, it, I find it hard to believe that if Dedrick Lawson and LeGerald Vick are your best players, like if LeGerald Vick isn't, if he's not hitting 7 out of 11 threes, or if Dedrick Lawson gets in early foul trouble, he fouled out of this game at five fouls. It'll, you know, and who do you turn to? You know, he's, Quentin Grimes is a guy that can score the ball, can shoot it, tall guard, can play the point, can play, play on or off the ball. He's got to be the guy. It's just my, that's what I think. You know, Marcus Garrett's a nice role player. He can't be the best two guard on the team. He had thirty. He had thirty three minutes compared to to Grimes sixteen. He played twice as long. Um, that that can't happen. And um, I, you know, I think self knows that it's early in the season, though. I mean, there, there's guys all across the country. Like I don't think Cam Reddish has been particularly great uh, for Duke. Now, I, as good as Zion's been, it doesn't really matter. As good as Barrett, you know, can be, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but I, you know, I like not that he's been not that Cam Reddish has been. Bad. He hasn't been quite as he hasn't played as poorly as Quentin Grimes. But you know, th- th- there's guys across the country, freshmen across the country, like you know, I, most of Kentucky freshmen. It's like, what wh- what's going on? Um, there's time, but you have to wonder. You have to wonder when it's going to click, because that's a guy that I mean, he showed that he could do it in game one, and it hasn't really shown it since. But anyway, so that so that was that was Saturday. That you know they survived that sort of a nightmare. Uh, Tuesday, Walford came to town. Now Walford's a solid mid major, right? They're in the SoCon, uh, you know that that as well as um, I think yeah, Greensboro's in that league. They won it last year. That they're a really good team. Again, we'll get into Kentucky Greensboro. This, that'll be next. Um, you got uh, Furman. They're I think they're undefeated. They're ranked. Um, they beat Villanova. There's, t- I think, between Buffalo and Furman, it's got to be the first time two mid-majors. Not counting Gonzaga, they're not a mid-major. I know they're in a mid-major conference, they're not a mid-major. But those two, like, two legit mid-majors, right, that's that's crazy to me. And uh, they're both good. Like, they're both legit good teams. But, you know, Wofford hung around with Kansas until the 11-minute mark. And then Kansas, and, and then well, Wofford went on a, uh, let's see, they went on an eight-minute scoring drought. Walford went on an eight-minute. Kansas ended up winning the game 72-47. Uh, the game with 11 minutes left was 45-43. It was actually 43-41 at one point. 11 minutes left in the game. 43-41. And Walford proceeded to score six points in the final 11 minutes. Kansas has done this before. They did it against Marquette. I think they were down because they were down by nine, and then they, you know, they went on a twenty-two to nothing run the first ten minutes of the half, nine ten minutes of the half, and they they, they were in thorough control the rest of the way. Um, they did that again, again against Wofford. So for whatever reason, Kansas just knows how to clamp, put the clamps on defense in certain stretches uh, after letting a team that they shouldn't let hang around with them for a long time. They, they let them hang around. And, 
Um, but they're able to finish it out. But the big news in this game was Yudoka as Ibuki gets hurt. Um, if I'm Bill Self, I'm a little nervous right now. Quentin Grimes, Quentin Grimes, he played better in this game. He had 14 points in 32 minutes, 6-10 from the floor. He was better. Didn't turn the ball over. Um, yeah, didn't turn the ball over. He was pretty good, pretty efficient. 14 points on 10 shots this is pretty good. Um, but still hasn't been consistent. Uh, Yudoka has a boogie, high ankle sprain. Going to be out out indefinitely. I think the, uh, saw something that said he's pro- that, that Kane's hoping to have him back by conference play. I think it's realistic. I, he'll be out. Got to be. He'll probably be out through Christmas. I would assume. It's t- right now. It's December seventh. This injury happened. I think December fifth or fourth or fifth. One of the two. Um, so that that would be around twenty days till Christmas. I imagine he'll he'll they'll hold him out the rest of conference non-conference play. They play Villanova at home, so I I don't the rest of their schedule. Let's see what the rest of their schedule is. They got um they got New Mexico, Villanova at home, San Diego State. This is gonna be the one. I I think, I think they'll be fine against Villanova. I, I don't think Villanova at this point is ready to win a, a road game at an Allen Fieldhouse. But at Arizona State, remember Arizona State beat them last year, beat Kansas last year at the Fieldhouse. They got to go to Arizona State, who's currently undefeated and currently playing some of the some of the best basketball of uh, not of the non elites. That's going to be an extremely tough game. That game's the twenty second. Doke ain't going to be back for that game, probably not. And then you got Eastern Michigan fit to round out uh, non conference play in uh, twenty in twenty eighteen. They'll play K- uh, Kentucky. Uh, when is that game? Kentucky, uh, December, or uh, January twenty sixth. I imagine he'll be back by then. That'd be that'd be a long time to be out for a high ankle sprain. But he is a big man, um, which means you know, whenever a guard sprains his ankle, that's one hundred eighty pounds, right? Like if you land on it weird, you're only it's one hundred. He he's two he's about two sixty between two sixty two eighty. It's a little different. Um, now he's not a his game isn't built on rim running or being extremely mobile. He's a guy he sits his butt down the post, you throw it down and or you throw it or you throw it over the top and he, he dunks it, you know. Um so he's not exactly like a, a super mobile he, he's not a pick and pop guy, he's not shooting it, right? He's a terrible free throw shooter. Um but still a big injury. You know, now all of a sudden Kansas' depth is taking a big hit. Um, David McCormick and Mitch Lightfoot, who haven't played at all this year, really, um, now all of a sudden they're going to be at I mean, David McCormick's kind of in that the Azubuki mold, not quite as – obviously, you know, McCormick's a freshman, Azubuki's a junior. Um, he, there's still some maturity. But, I mean, David McCormick's 250. I mean, he he's a load. Um but no Silvio de Sosa because of the the whole FBI trial thing. He's out. Now you got Azubuki out. All of a sudden your depth at big is I mean, you lost half your front court right there for the time being. Um Quentin Grimes has not been the superstar that he has shown he can be. You know, and it's like if you know, LeGerald Vick doesn't show. I mean, LeGerald Vick went scoreless against Wofford. Twenty-two minutes, no points. Only had uh, only had three shots. I don't really know what happened there. You know, you have to 
you got to imagine Bill Self, Bill Self, excuse me, is sweating a little bit over this because his stars aren't, you know, the Gerald Vick I think is going to be, he'll be streaky, but he's a good shooter. You have to, you have to account for that. He's been really good this year. Dedrick Lawson will bring it every game. You can, you can count on that. But everyone else, you know, you're going to have to get some good production. Devin Dotson's going to have to be consistent. Grimes is going to have to be the superstar. It'll be interesting to see how Kansas finishes a conference play. I will be eager – or non-conference play. I will be eager to see how they perform both against Villanova uh, and against Arizona State. I, right now, I would not – I would say it's pretty – it's going to be really difficult for Kansas to win that game. Arizona State talking about a top 20 team currently ranked 20th um, and a team that's playing really good basketball they, get, they just got Tayshawn Cherry back that was their best recruit their be, their highest rated recruit coming into it this season um, so that'll be uh, I think that's that's interesting uh, as, as well so we'll talk so you know we'll we'll, uh, we'll obviously follow up with that next podcast all right next I want to talk about Kentucky um, I watched a good – we'll talk about Kentucky, then Gonzaga, then we'll kind of go with some quick hitters. We'll, I, I want to talk a little bit about recruiting as well. Um, we had a couple big announcements this week and some of the ramifications of that. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But I want to talk about Kentucky, then Gonzaga. So Kentucky played – let me find the box score here. They played UNC Greensboro, though, on on last – this. Last Saturday, so December 1st. Um, and that was a game, you know, I, yeah, I talked about this on the Kentucky Sports Podcast where I'm more biased, more more fanboy than I am here, obviously. Um, but I – this was a game I really thought Kentucky could lose. I, I didn't necessarily think they were, but I was like, you know, that, that, this is the best outside of Duke, Carolina, and Lowell, the big three, the ACC schools – I think the next best team can in you know Kansas as well, so the Blue Bloods plus Louisville. Um, this was the next best team on the non-conference list, and you don't usually say that about mid majors. And Kentucky's playing Seton Hall in Utah, you know, they're power power six uh, schools. I mean, Seton Hall made the tournament last year. They lost a lot, but they're still, you know, they still have that pedigree. And you know, Utah, Pac-12 school. They, I think they went to the NIT Final Four. Um, but I'd say Greensboro's better than both of them, and I think most people would agree. Um, so this was a game I was kind of – I didn't – I didn't know. Uh, I, I was – you know, Kentucky showed well against Monmouth. They put together about 35 minutes of really good basketball against a putrid team, uh, no doubt. But it was good to see that they did it. It's good to see that, like you saw, okay, they can they can clamp down on a team. They only gave you know forty points. Only they only I think they only gave up two made threes. So it was good that they finally put the clamps down on the perimeter. And back to back games actually they did. Only gave up I think it was a thirty maybe a thirty five percent clip from three against Tennessee State and then Monmouth couldn't hit the side of the barn. I think they were like sixteen percent, two of sixteen maybe something like that. It's good to see the attempts were down as well. So, anyway, so going into this game, it's like this is gonna be a real test. Yeah, he's at home, and you know they're, they're, they are the by far more talented team, but they're gonna have to play well. And the first thirty, first thirty minutes were pretty rough. Um, I would say they were down. I think 
55-50 to go, going uh, around the 11, in between, you know, with 11 minutes left the game, nine minutes left. They, they were around that point. Um, I mean, it, it was looking like Kentucky might lose the game. There was a couple times they were up six in the first half. UNC had a bad – Greensboro had a bad turnover. And uh, and Hero got the – Tyler Hero got the steal, and he just threw it off the backboard. Um, it, it was really like, wow. I mean, it was, it was a really bad turnover. Um, and then they went down. Greensboro did. Hit a three. Kelton Johnson got hurt. Um, I thought he tore his ACL the way he was holding it. And ended up he kind of he landed on his, his ankle awkwardly, and he was back in – he was back playing in the second half. He was fine. Um, I, I, I thought it was bad. Um, I mean, it, Francis Alonzo, which, you know, the, that was their star player coming in. You knew he was going to perform. I, I didn't think he was going to score 20 points in the first half. He had 19, but I mean, close enough. Um, he, he made his first four or five threes. Uh, didn't, didn't miss much. I mean, he, he was fairly terrific. Um, Scored the first five points for Greensboro. Both Kelton Johnson and, and Tyler Hill did not do a good job defending um, in that in that first half, defending Alonzo. Then Ashton Hagens went in the game, and Cal put him on Alonzo and shut him down. Three points in the second half um, wore him out. I mean, the thing about Ashton Hagens is, and, and, and his off-the-ball defense has improved so much. But man, defensively he's a, he's a game changer, and he, he he could always defend the ball really well. But off the ball, he was kind of a mess early on. And now, okay, like I mean, one of the better off the ball players that Kentucky will see this season, I would say probably they're going to get challenges at, at Auburn or against Carolina, um, State. You know, they're going to they're going to face some guys that can really that that can move without the ball. But Francis Alonzo's up there, and he shut him down. I mean, it, it, it was it was really impressive to see. Reed Travis, twenty-two and twelve. I mean, just consistent, consistent, consistent. Whenever Kentucky, you know, they got down fifty-five, fifty, and then he had an one. Um, terrific. You know, he had a two plays in a row. He sealed off defenders so Kelton Johnson could get a can get a dunk uh, on a on a drive from. Um, from the corner, I mean, like guy just makes game-winning plays. Guy, guy makes plays that wins games, and, and he did that in the second half. Tyler Hero woke up big time, hit a couple big shots, hit hit two, hit two threes that effectively ended the game. Kentucky from that point, Greensboro scored forty points in the first half. Kentucky was down three, and they only scored twenty-one points in the second half. From the point they went up. 55-50, and they scored, do the math, they scored six points. They scored six points the rest of the game. Kentucky went on a 28-6 to run to end the game. Um, that's impressive. That's really impressive stuff. They played defense. They looked They looked like they knew what they were doing on offense. They made plays that won the game. Uh, so, you know. There's things that you can nitpick, but but they're shooting the ball better. You know, I mean, it, the game I went to, I went to when they played Tennessee State, could not hit a three. It was, it was horrible. This game, you know, back to back games of shooting forty over forty percent from the from the three. That's good. 
they didn't take enough threes probably, but they still shot, you know, they went five for twelve. That that's a good it's a good clip. Um you know, you'd like you you want to see more out of PJ Wash. I think that's the big one. You gotta get him going. You gotta get PJ Washington. He needs to be one of your best players. He came back for a second season to kinda to sure up his draft stock and he hasn't like just you know total plummeted it but you know he's probably not where he wants to be at this moment and it's on him he he needs to step up for Kentucky and for his own draft stock um, but it's good to see Tyler Hero now hitting shots it's, you know Ashton Hagens is is having the impact that people hoped he'd have and then EJ Montgomery man on the boards he's terrific I think Evan Daniels went on uh, the the podcast that Kyle Tucker does with Curtis Birch, I think it's like Locked On, something like that, uh, went in and said, you know, Montgomery stays another year, he's a lottery pick. And, you know, barring him just getting really good really fast in conference play, that's probably correct. And if he stays another year, kind of refine his game, lottery pick. Uh, and, and you can see that, like, I mean, he, people were like, oh, man, well, he's going to jump Nick Richards. Well, he's jumping P.J. Washington. I don't think anyone saw that one coming. It's how good he is on the offensive boards um, and just how skilled, how talented he, he is. And I think Quade Green, if he's not hitting shots, Kentucky's not playing him. You know, Calic can't play him. And then Nick Richards had one minute. I mean, Monmouth, he barely played. He had like eight, six or eight minutes in that game, and he had one minute uh, against against Greensboro. Just didn't play. You know, we'll see what they do tomorrow against Seton Hall. I think this is an important kind of week or kind of stretch for Kentucky. This this is either the point where they take off. You know, okay, they figured out some things against Greensboro. They took some steps in the right directions. Let's keep the progression going. They go to, they, they, you know, they play Seton Hall tomorrow at noon, Eastern time. They blow them out. You know, host Utah, blow them out. And then, okay, now we're ready to go against Carolina and Louisville, which I think you got to win those games if you want to be one seed. you got to win both of them. You win one of them, you're still in play. You lose both of them, you're not going to be one seed. You got to have one. You got to have one of those games. So, I mean, you know, we'll see. Or, you know, or you know, the alternative, they they kind of they go, they revert. They don't play great defense. The, I I think even a even if they play like they for Seton Hall to beat Kentucky, they need Miles Powell to score forty plus points. They have to be hitting almost every three. And Kentucky just has to be totally off because Kentucky can out could can, can play, even if Seton Hall is scoring. Kentucky could outscore them. It's good offense. I mean, Kentucky's good offensively. That's not the problem. But you know, they, they kind of you know they play uh, they play okay. They take some steps back. Steps back. They end up winning the game, but it's closer than it should be. I, I don't know what the spread is. I assume it's Kentucky by it's probably at least ten. You know, it, it, it's. Seton Hall is close. Uh, the camp's obviously it, it's right across uh, the, I think the, the would be the Hudson River. Um, so they're close. So it, you know they, they play at the Garden, but uh, Kentucky fans will travel. It's it's a I think it's a true neutral court game. But you know they kind of money money through. You know, they you know Seton Hall hangs around and it goes down in the last couple possessions. Kentucky ends up winning. And then it's like you kind of do the same with Utah. Now, now you're trying to figure out. All right, now we're playing. Now we're playing Carolina. Like, so it, it could either be a takeoff spot or it's a point where Kentucky is still stuck in the mud. I think it's a very important game. 
and very important stretch against Greensboro. Now, okay, you know, we beat a good team. And I'm sure Cal told him that. Like this team, I'm sure he told him that before and after the game. Man, it's a good team. They're a team that's going to be competing for a tournament bid. No joke. You know, the SoCon's going to be competitive with Wofford, Furman, and Greensboro. Any of those three could get it. But, I mean, you played a, tur- you played a tournament team. A, ca- a, tur- a, a, a team that is the caliber of, I mean, that was a 4-13 matchup on Saturday. So, we'll see how they respond uh, tomorrow against Seton Hall, bright and early. And then Gonzaga. Whew, did they have some close calls as well. So they played Creighton at, at Omaha. They ended up winning the game 103-92. to Man, they needed any and every offense they could get. Um, you know, Zach Norvell. Zach Norvell has just been, ever since he redshirted, redshirted his freshman year and – I mean, you can just see it kind of like Justin Patton did with Creighton. You know, and he, the, the red shirt play, paid dividends, and he, he was terrific. You know, Josh Perkins, the you know, lead guard, he very experienced, you know, 13 assists in this game. Rui Heshimura and, and Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark's been terrific. He's going to be in the NBA next year. Uh, their best defensive player probably – he had 27 and 10, uh, 9 11 from the free throw line. H- Hashimura is just, just really good. But, man, Creighton, Creighton went off. And yeah, that's a tough place to play for sure. Tyshawn Alexander, I think he's a sophomore, 27 points. I mean, what was a track beat, and Gonzaga was able to, uh, Gonzaga was able to weather the storm, and they scored. Gonzaga scored 62 second half points. They were down seven at halftime. They ended up coming back, <clears throat> winning the game 103 to 92. I mean, Gonzaga is just a really good team. <clears throat> but the game on was it Tuesday or Wednesday, I think it was on. Yeah, it was on Wednesday when they played Washington. So this, you know, Washington's kind of been a disappointment this year. You know, they beat WKU the first game, and then it's like they they were destroyed at Auburn. It kind of sucked the the momentum out of their out of that early season momentum they had, you know, after beating Nevada um, in that exhibition game by 17, people were like, oh, Washington, Washington. And they went to Auburn and got beat by 30, and it kind of like it kind of took the air out of the balloon for them a little bit. Then they go to Gonzaga, and they, they were down, I think, 71, 78 maybe. They were down by like seven. And they ended up tying the game. Um, and, you know, Gonzaga went down – Hash, uh, Rui Hashimura hit a, hit a game-winning shot, and they ended up winning 81. The Zags ended up winning 81-79. to 79. You know, but wow, I mean, Washington, what a, what a performance on the road at Spokane. But it shows, like, Gonzaga, you know, they'll, they'll get Killian Tilly back, which I'm eager to see how that works out because sometimes, you know, Fuse got it working right now, and then you add in – a big time piece, you know, how does that, how, how does the rotation respond to that? It'll be kind of interesting because I know when Kentucky first added Jared Vanderbilt back last year, um, they were kind of a mess. They lost their first two games with them and then, and then they figured it out um, eventually. And then he got hurt again, didn't really matter. Um, it kind of threw a wrench in the rotation. I wonder, you know, talking about a guy, Killian Tilly, is 
bona fide starter, but it's still, I mean, you know, does it scale back Brandon Clark's minutes? Uh, who does it eat? Who does it eat? You know, whose minutes does it really eat into? It, it'll be interesting to see because Hashim Moore is going to be on the court, you know, you know, 35, 40 minutes every game. It's just the way it is. Um, but yeah, Hashimura, I mean, gonna be in the gonna be a top ten, maybe even a top five pick because he can protect the rim. I think he was a two star coming out of high school. I could be wrong, but he was not highly rated because I remember seeing him. I was like, who's this, you know, Japanese guy uh, going to Gonzaga? It's like a two star, and, and look at him now. He's he's one of the best players in the country. Um, can play in and out. I mean, can can really do it all. Really impl- impressive player. Um, but Gonzaga, they have some tough tests coming up, and you know they, they've been playing it close. You know they let Duke almost come back on them. Illinois, the first game, not people forget. Like two days before that Duke game, Illinois took Gonzaga to the wire, and Arizona was I think tied with Gonzaga with like a, a ten minutes ago, and then Gonzaga proceeded to kind of you know take control from there on out. Um, I think this Sunday, Gonzaga plays Tennessee. Where is that game? I don't know where that game is. Um, that game is in Phoenix. So, it's a true neutral court game. <coughs> Wouldn't expect either. I, I, you know, I, I, I mean, Gonzaga will have more fans, but, I mean, we'll see. Wouldn't expect a huge turnout for either. Um, and, then they, and then they play at UNC. Um, so... We'll see what what happens with Gonzaga. They've been playing some pretty close calls, um, the, definitely the last two. Um, I, I think I think they trip up one of those two. It looks likely, and without Killian Tilly back, um, it looks like yeah it, that that I would guess they trip up. I don't know. I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, Tennessee's tough, but definitely beatable. Um, UNC is that game's tough, but they've been kind of. They haven't been very good early on, but you could see Carolina scoring 90 points or something at home going off in a home game against in a marquee matchup. You, we'll just have to see, but I, I definitely could see Gonzaga tripping up one of those two games. But regardless, I mean, this is one of Mark Few's best teams since he's been since I remember uh, covering college basketball. They're they're absolutely terrific. All right, so some quick hitters. I want to talk about Texas Tech, like I promised I would. Um, let me find let me find them real fast. I apologize for the disorganization here. I th- I think I said Duke played might have said they played Radford. They played Hartford on Wednesday, so want to clarify that. Um, want to get my fa- excuse me my facts straight. So Texas Tech is ranked thirteenth right now. Um, uh, coming off of an Elite Eight per, uh, appearance, lose a lot of good players. You know they lose it. Keenan Evans, I can't remember who else that they had specifically, but I mean, losing Keenan Evans, that was that was a bit. Well, uh, you know, Zaire Smith, I mean, the, the first guy that was like a three star that went one and done, and he went, I think he went top twenty. Um, that was a guy that I'm sure Chris Beard thought he was going to have for three to four years, and he's gone after one. You lose a lot of talent and a lot of a lot of good uh, seniors, you know. You, you think oh, we're going to take quite a step back. Now, they haven't beaten a ranked team yet, but regardless, they're the 13th ranked team in the country. They beat USC, who, big disappointment. I had them in my top 25, and they've been pretty horrible thus far, but what are you going to do? Then they beat Nebraska, 
70 to 52. Nebraska's good. Nebraska's a really good team this year. And that's not a game you'd expect Texas Tech to be winning, but they, they did. Um, so really impressive there. And they beat Memphis, who is still kind of sleepwalking early on in the in the Penny Hardaway era. Um, but yeah, what a, an absolutely terrific start for Chris Beard. Let's see who we got this far. Um, Jared Culver has stepped up nicely, um, kind of had to, 18 points a game. Uh, Matt Mooney, the grad transfers, come in. That, that was a nice late addition uh, for the Red Raiders. Uh, Tariq Owens as well, the grad transfer from St. John's, give them, gives them some beef uh, down low. So, yeah, they, they have a nice little blend here um, of – talent experience. David Moretti, uh, I think he's a sophomore. He's, I think he's from Europe, uh, but he, he's been nice uh, in the point guard role. So, you know, they, they go, they play Duke at the Garden, I think maybe two weeks from today. I, I don't know. It's, it's Duke's last non-conference game before they play St. John's uh, in February uh, at Duke. Um, but that, that's their last non-conference game before that. So it'll be interesting to see how the Red Raiders respond to that. Okay, so we'll talk a little recruiting. We got ten minutes left, and then um, we will wrap it, and then we'll talk, you know, preview some of the marquee games, and we'll wrap this, wrap this podcast up. So this week, not a ton, you know, because obviously the signing period was back. You know, it's been, it's been over for a couple of weeks, but you did get a couple of uh, big announcements. Um, Tyree Samuel, a top hundred player, uh, the twenty four seven composite, committed to. Uh, Seton Hall. They're kind of rebuilding, but hey, I mean, they have young guys on their team now. They'll stay, and they're bringing in some young talent next year. Samuel, a power forward uh, from Canada, is a good guy uh, to get. Trace Jackson Davis, um, from who's from Indiana, commits to Indiana. No surprise there. They were the favorite all along. It's only a matter of time. I think people are starting to get a little worried that, uh, you know, cause I think his, he was down to Michigan. Indiana and UCLA he hadn't committed, you know, he hadn't committed yet, but he, I think he actually signed with uh, Indiana and he ended up committing, I think last Friday. So they, so, you know, good prospect for them. Top, uh, top 20 guy uh, at center. They're, they're going to have to reload on talent. They obviously have their eyes on Keon Brooks as well. Uh, this commitment cannot hurt at all. Uh, Acock, Acock for, uh, who went to? Who goes to the Putnam Science Academy, same high school that Hamdou Diallo went to, uh, is committed to UConn, and he is. I think he's doing the Diallo route, where he will sit out red shirt this year, or red. He'll he'll enroll in school, roll at UConn at the semester break, uh, red shirt, and then may probably test the waters of the draft, um, and then what will more than likely happen? He'll come back and play a season or two for Danny Hurley. Um, but, yeah, so very interesting. He could end up not, you know, like Diallo, who almost went pro after that first – or after that semester. He could end up not playing at all for the Huskies, but still good to have him on board. Uh, and he will transfer – or he will enroll at uh, Connecticut um, over the semester break. And then, obviously, the big one was Vernon Carey to Duke. That happened yesterday, last afternoon – or yesterday afternoon. Um not really a surprise. It was looking like it was Michigan State and Duke. Yeah, 
it just seemed like all along Duke was the was the school Kerry wanted to go to and the, the school that had an upper hand. For whatever reason, during the summer, they lost that edge. Michigan State and Kentucky, it looked like, made up some major ground. Uh, it, Miami and Carolina were, were there, but they were never really uh, in much of consideration, sounded like. Um, so, interesting enough, or... But then, you know, as the official visits came around, Kentucky, you know, he took two to Michigan State, but Kentucky got the first official visit in the fall. And, uh, you know, it looked like, oh, Kentucky's in a really good position. And then after the Duke visit, um, all the momentum for Kentucky was gone. Duke had, Duke started picking up steam. And then, you know, Michigan State was very much in the picture, and they recruited him forever. They got a couple official visits, but it, uh, Duke just seemed like the place they wanted to be. And hey, they need a lot of talent. They, they're going to have to get uh, some guys on board. Now they are, he rounds out the current three-man class of Boogie Ellis, uh, the guard from out west, who was a high-riser um, in the in the summer. And then, um, obviously, Wendell Moore, who is from North Carolina, I mean, they're going to have to replace – they, I think they're going to have to replace their entire lineup. I don't know how much <coughs> more Marquise Bolden wants at, or how much – like, I, I, don't, I really just don't think the Duke experience has worked for Bolden. He, he has shown flashes. Like, against Auburn, he had the 11, you know, 11 points, 10 rebounds, 7 blocks, something like that. Almost had a triple-double. But other, like it, he, he's reverted back. He still he plays like 15 minutes a game. He'll get, he gives you like two to four points and and a, and a couple of rebounds, maybe a block, but he'll foul. You know, I, you have to wonder how much longer that that whole deal is going to go on. Um, and I, and Trey Jones has been better than I expected. I think he's going to go one and done. Uh, and obviously, Reddish, Barrett, and Zion—they're they're all one and done. I think Duke's gonna have to replace their entire entire starting lineup. You know, the good thing is that I, now I think this this solidifies their front court, regardless of if Bolden stays or not. They're gonna have him. They're gonna have Jack White. They're gonna have Javon Delorier. So they're gonna have depth at the at the bigs. Um, regardless, they'll be fine. They, I think uh, Antonio Vrankovic and Justin Robinson, a couple other scholarship players. Those guys will graduate. Um, Boogie Ellis, Alex O'Connell, uh, Joey Baker, and um, there's someone else. Jordan Goldwire. Those guys will also be back for next year. Um, you have to. Uh, Joey Baker will probably be a starter. You could see, he could end up playing some some small ball four, but he's tr- he's traditionally been a three. That's what he was. Uh, that's what he's listed on. Um, right now, but still, I mean, big, big time get for Duke. He's a, you know, carries it's going to be a top three player in the class, uh, barring any other, you know, major reclassifications from 2020. Um, but, you know, really good player. Uh, they locked him down. I don't know, you know, Duke is obviously, their two guys they're going after now are both Isaiah Stewart and Matthew Hurt. I, I, I think this, this will probably eliminate Duke from Matthew Hurt. I could be wrong about this, it's just my guess because they're going to have other bigs. And I think Isaiah Stewart, I, I, I think the relationships with Mike Hopkins and Tom Izzo, I think those will win out over Duke. I, I would expect Stewart to either end up at Michigan State or Washington. And I think Kansas and Kentucky for hurt. I, I really do. I just, Carolina, they're going to get a crack at it, and, and Duke will too. But I, I think that those teams are much more solidified <clears throat> in the front court for next season than uh, – 
than either Kentucky or Kansas are. Um, so I, I think that that's definitely something to look at uh, in the Hurt recruitment. And, you know, Matthew Hurt visited Kentucky um, this past weekend. So you got you know, get that first official visit. It kind of worked out. So, I, you know, it's not like it's a done deal there. But Kentucky's in a very good spot for Matthew Hurt, I would say, at this point. He's going to wait until the spring. You know, Anthony Edwards, he took an official to, to Georgia. You know, he, he's kind of mulling through the process. Jaden McDaniel's going to wait for the spring. So, you know, now it kind of goes quiet, but we'll see what happens. All right, so let's preview some games real fast. So tonight, the big marquee game, Nevada-Arizona State at the Staples Center. I mean, we'll see really what both teams are about. Nevada's been really good early on. I just, they, you know, they, you know, they played BYU. Uh, they went to Loyola, Chicago, who is much worse than last year. And then they beat USC on the road. USC isn't very good, um, as we've said. So uh, this is Nevada's first, I think, true test. Now, winning at USC, that, that's, a, that's a good win. But, you know, now we got a top 25 team, two undefeated teams. Um, Nevada's favored by six. That'll be an interesting game. And then tomorrow, obviously, Seton Hall, Kentucky, South Carolina, Michigan play. Um, Michigan State goes to Florida. That's a, that's a really interesting game. Um, Michigan State obviously lost at Louisville. We'll see if they can uh, overcome their road woes. They, they, <coughs> they beat Iowa pretty, pretty good on, I think it was Monday. They beat them by, like, they totally controlled the second half of that game. Uh, Villanova in the middle of the, the Philly Five Challenge. They play St. Joe's. Buffalo goes to St. Bonaventure. Interesting games there. Tulsa. Uh, Tulsa knocked off uh, Oklahoma State at home, and, and now they host Kansas State, who lost to Mark, who lost to Marquette thanks to Marcus Howard's monster 40 I think he had 45 points you know Howard I feel like had kind of struggled early on then you know he went ballistic at home against the ranked team no surprise there Wisconsin speaking of Marquette Wisconsin and Marquette both play the Wisconsin State Classic if you will Uh, really interesting game Um, that game is it's in Milwaukee it's it's at Marquette Wisconsin 12th they've been really good this far uh, this season they've been they've been a surprise Uh, Yale plays Duke um, I would expect Duke to crush him, but Yale is a better. Is Stetson and, and Hartford are very bad. Those are two very bad mid majors. Yale, you know, they've been in the tournament here and there, so we'll see what happens with that. Nebraska Creighton play, uh, bragging rights for the state of Nebraska. That'll be interesting. Florida State goes to UConn, and uh, Dayton goes to Auburn. Kansas hosts New Mexico State. New Mexico State's one. <coughs> They're out. I think the 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 whack. They're really good. I mean, they beat New Mexico. I think by thirty. So that that's a tough test for Kansas. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And that's not a true road game for New Mexico State. That game will be played at Kansas City, Missouri. So what else do we got here? Uh, can, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Tennessee goes against Gonzaga. Mentioned that one. That's on Sunday. Now, Villanova and Penn. Penn is very good this year. They're seven and two, four and four and zero at home. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So Villanova's got somewhat of a tall task um, in that Philly Five matchup. And Texas Tech hosts Northwestern State. They're bad, but eh, another an opportunity <coughs> to check out. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> the Ra- Red Raiders. All right, before I die. Excuse me. Thank you all for listening. 
Um, I'll post or please let me know if you uh, give me any feedback. Um, let me know what you want me to talk about. Um, again, thank, thank you for listening. Good luck for, with any of your finals. I know I will need them. Um, but have a great week and uh, get on your couch and watch some college basketball. Thank you all for listening.